It has been said that magic vanished from our world a long time ago. But if there's one thing you can be sure of... I wish you could really talk to me. It's that nothing is more powerful than a young boy's wish. You're my best friend, John. I love you. But eventually, everyone grows up. taking Lauren to dinner. You don't think she's going to be expecting something big, do you? It's been four years, Johnny. You and me have been together for 27 years. Where's my ring? Huh? Where's my ring? Put it on my fuzzy finger. Where's my ring? Come on. Knock it off. I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. Okay. Beer. Weed. Pussy. Cocaine. Long ago, the four nations lived in harmony. <laughs> Until John and Lori broke up. Only the Avatad, master of all four elements, could bring them back together. But when the world needed him most, he was kidnapped by Giovanni Ribisi. <laughs> he's a bearbender named Ted, and while his bending skills are powerful, he's still got a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. And like, so this is the part in the real show where Aang would slam into the statue, but instead it's going to be ted doing the fake uh gangbang bukkake uh thing at, with the lotion at the checkout lane oh but God. i believe ted can save the world nickelodeon and probably should have known better present avatad the last bearbender i hate how good that is <laughs> Who probably should have known better. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nadia Vasquez, and I'm joined, as always, by my thunder buddy, Tony Ginocchio. Thank you, Nadia. It is always a pleasure to be here. I um, I'm really excited for this one. Uh, I just really? there's there's so much to talk about. I think uh, with this film, with the man who made it, and with the time in which it came out. I feel uh, like you mean the men who made it. Yeah. Because. Because there are a lot of interesting people involved in this. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but, uh, folks, jumping ahead a couple decades from our last few selections, we're going to 2012, and we're going to TED, uh, direct the, the feature directorial debut by Seth MacFarlane, uh, starring Mark Mark Wahlberg, Mila Kunis, Joel McHale, Giovanni Ribisi, and of course the voice acting of Seth MacFarlane himself. Uh, our last two films, we had Eddie Murphy, we had Robin Williams, two massive heavyweight comedy stars, and in terms of actual dollars made, Seth MacFarlane is right up there with them. Uh, so depressing. But you know what? I Based off of the former current events research I did, I feel like when we got to the 2010s, we were pretty much done as a the, society. And, and that's the thing. is So we haven't done a lot of films from the 2010s. 
In fact, we've only done one actual movie, which was What Men Want, and we did, like, a stand-up special, and we did a bunch of Jeff Dunham stuff, but... Did uh, you hear that, everybody? The difference (laughs) between a film and a movie? Uh, Oh, sorry. Did we... um, No, we did a a stand-up special, right? And then we did... uh, And we did What Men Want. I think that was it, though. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But... um, before we talk about the 2010s and just what a, a disaster they were in many ways for the art of comedy, uh, why, why don't we why don't we quickly run through the plot? Nadia, do you want to take a swing at what Ted yes. is about? Of course, I would love to. So, Ted is about John Bennett, played by Mark Wahlberg, who, when he was a little boy, had made a wish that Ted, his tiny well, not really tiny, his teddy bear and only friend in the neighborhood, voiced by Seth MacFarlane, uh, would come alive. And he did. The, the, a shooting star made it happen. It's great. But as they get older, Ted and John are still together, but they become absolute shitheads. <laughs> and John somehow has a girlfriend who lives with him and his teddy bear. And, uh... <laughs> He, she, her name is Lori. She's played by Mila Kunis. She wants her boyfriend, who is a man-child, to get his act together. And instead of owning up to his flaws, John, a.k.a. Mark Wahlberg, just blames his teddy bear for everything. And inevitably, John discovers that if he does want to grow up and save his relationship with Lori, which is the only reason we are alive, he'll have to start taking responsibility for his own actions. Also, there is inexplicably a kidnapping subplot involving Giovanni Ribisi. You know, I, I I do have to say when you say because of his teddy bear out loud <laughs> that many times, uh, it does make the film sound pretty dumb. Do, uh, yeah. Do you do you know how I feel now? <laughs> I I was I was is really curious. I was really curious to see. Um, what you thought of the film and and now i think that's become very clear uh because yeah. it's the first time you watched it and unfortunately for me when i rented this on amazon the button didn't say watch now it said watch again because as it turns out i had Ew. rented this film back in 2012 after it came out i didn't see it in the theaters you know uh, what? I, we're gonna cover this in the former current events but did you know that 2012 is the year that you and i met I did know that. Of course I knew that. Yes. <laughs> January 2012, a enterprising, young, aspiring comedian named Tony Ginocchio <laughs> and an enterprising, young, aspiring comedian named Nadia Vasquez meet at the, I want to say the Artworks Theater on Santa yeah. Monica Boulevard for Improv 301 for- class at UCB. <laughs> Dude, we met in Margot's storytelling class on Melrose. What are we, you talking about? We actually took both classes concurrently. Oh, okay. Uh, at the same time. I think the first time I saw you and like spoke about you was in Margot's class where we had the exercise where each one of us would stand at the front of the class and we would write down an assumption about this person. Did you remember that exercise for <laughs> yes, you? I do I I do remember that exercise. Yes. For you I wrote would be someone great to take home to a mom, which I ended up doing. Which you because... did, yeah. <laughs> and then I said, plays D&D. <laughs> which was very close. It was Magic the Gathering. It was Magic the Gathering, but it was very close. Uh, so, guys, why, it, it, Tony and Nadia, why are you covering Ted? I have no memory of Ted. I probably saw it in theaters and then forgot it forever. <laughs> well, it turns out uh, Ted 
in addition to coming out the year that Nadia and I met and thus possessing special nostalgic value for both of us, <laughs> Ted made $218 million at the box office, Jeez. was the ninth highest grossing film of 2012, and is an Academy Award nominee <laughs> for Best Song uh, for Everyone Needs a Best Friend by Seth MacFarlane and Nora Jones. It Are you was, serious? Yes. It oh. was so ingrained in the culture that Ted, the CGI teddy bear, was, I swear to God this is true, a presenter at the Academy Awards. Um, oh my lord. Yeah. Imagine being the best in the world at something and winning an award for it, but the person who gives you the award is Ted. <laughs> I wonder how they did that. Uh, they've done it before. Like I, like, I think, like, Shrek has presented awards before, too. Um... So uh, it is you one of my- You say that so casually like this is just a thing that happens. <laughs> um, it is one of my favorite genres of film, which is a movie that everyone saw and immediately forgot about. And the other thing I, I want to talk about before we get into the former current events, and I think related to the former current events, is, like I said, we haven't done a lot of films from the 2010s yet. Yeah. And let me just explain what- movies looked like in the 2010s because these are the top 10 grossing films of the year we said number nine was 10 was ted number (laughs) one was the avengers right uh which was marvel cinematic universe it was you know part five of 20 or whatever um number two was the dark knight rises which was also based on a comic book it was the third movie in a trilogy by christopher nolan number three was The Hunger Games, which would become a four-film franchise based on the novels by Suzanne Collins. Number four was Skyfall, which is, of course, a James Bond movie, the longest-running franchise, film franchise of all time. Number five, one of Nadia's and my favorites, The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. Hell yeah! The the one with the baby named Renesmee. And that's that's the fifth movie based on novels by Stephanie Meyer. You name my baby after the Loch Ness Monster? (laughs) Uh, Unironically, those films are legitimately some of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Masterpieces. Um, uh, Number six was The Amazing Spider-Man. That's the Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone one, based, again, on the Marvel comics. Number seven is the first movie based on an original concept that's not a franchise, uh, and that's Brave, the Pixar movie Brave. No, oh, great. Which is Number... just a remake of Brother Bear with white people. <laughs> but okay. Number eight was the first Hobbit movie, so the start of a trilogy based oh, on a different trilogy. Number nine was Ted, like we said. Number ten was Madagascar 3. Uh, this was a moment in history. Disney hadn't bought Fox yet, but they had bought Marvel and LucasArts, or Lucasfilm, I guess. Yeah. Um, so all of the studios were beginning to consolidate, and this shit is the only shit you could see in theaters anymore. And if you wanted an <sighs> original story, congratulations, it's Ted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it... Former current events were slim pickings as well because <laughs> the franchises really took over the zeitgeist. So nothing interesting really happened. But I'll go into it. <laughs> um, yeah, so you and I met this year. That's my number one fun fact. Main um, thing. Main thing that yeah. happened. We did so much. We we uh, Obviously, we took several classes together. We produced a live show together with some of our other friends. We had another podcast uh, mm-hmm. with our uh, mutual friend Rati Gupta, who's... Who's, like, actually famous now. Yeah. Um, so what the hell? Yeah, uh, she does cameos now. I think <laughs> the only person... Now. 
the only person who would pay for a cameo is probably my mom because she just wants to make sure that I'm okay. Because the only way I could talk to her is by sending her a little video. <laughs> Um, I also feel like no one would pay for my cameos as well. <laughs> I'd pay for it, but oh, that's you'd probably ch- charge a lot. You'd probably be like one of those people that charge like $150, which really would <laughs> piss me off. I'd be like, are you serious? Uh, but, but what else in the non-Tony and Nadia world? Okay, so shout out to the San Francisco Giants for winning the World Series that year. This is a big event for me because I saw my dad cry which was really fun. Um, there was a ban on beards and goatees at Disneyland for employees. And in 2012, that was lifted. Oh, okay. So some good things did happen then. Yes, but there is still a ban on soul patches. <laughs> so the guy from Smash Mouth can't work there. I Googled so many celebrities with a soul patch, and the funniest one I could come up with was the guy from Smash Mouth. I, Jesus, this is completely unrelated, but I was up at, you know, four in the morning last night because my daughter and for some reason Everclear was trending on Twitter. Like, hell yeah. The band. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Okay. Late night Twitter's great. Um, just they have written the best song about how I will buy you a garden. <laughs> and about child abuse. Yeah. Yeah. About hating your dad. If you want yeah. a band that's all about hating your dad, you really can't do better than Everclear. And if you want a band about, wait. And if you want to listen to a band that likes to have songs about eating pussy, listen to Crazy Town. <laughs> Call my lady. Come. Oh, wait, I can't sing it. I don't want to pay for that. Um. <laughs> okay, so uh, this was the year of Gangnam Style. Ugh. Yep. It was also the year that Disney bought Lucasfilm, which you've already covered and something that for some reason was like a really big deal, but I don't get it. Well, it was because um, it's because it gave them access to the Star Wars franchise, which they then immediately destroyed. But here's <laughs> like the thing: less, less than a decade. Of course, but here's the thing: I don't like Star Wars, so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> and all everything about what I like and don't like is all that matters. Obviously, uh, obviously, just, you're the main character of reality. Yeah, yeah, you are all my supporting players that's so not true like that's not really how i am by the way (laughs) just letting you all know um will and kate announced their royal pregnancy and now their child uh speaks two languages and everyone's so excited even though children of immigrants also speak two languages and they don't get half as much clout for that um this was prince george this is will william prince william oh yeah no no i mean the baby the baby (laughs) They all look the same. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, it's Prince George. Okay, there is a very funny photo of Obama meeting him when he was like two, and Prince George is in like a white bathrobe, <laughs> shaking his hand. Friend of the podcast, Tom Cruise, divorces Katie Holmes in 2012. Oh, no. A super sad time. Uh, but Blue Ivy Carter was born, so oh. that's pretty exciting. Uh, she also became the youngest person to reach the Billboard charts that year. Because to, like, she was featured on a Beyonce track? She was featured on a Jay-Z track. Oh, okay. Her Cries. Her Cries were on a Jay-Z track. It's the song Glory, and uh, she made it to the Hot 100. Oh. So, good for you, Blue Ivy. Um, Honey Boo Boo was at the height of her popularity that year. 
just a trash year for culture. Mm-hmm. God damn it. I, 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 try, I looked ahead a couple of years just in case we ha- do any of the ones on our list in 2013 and 2014, and it's equally as bleak. But I think this is the year that social media really kind of took over. So I, I don't think, like, internet culture is included in these. And so I think I need to go on knowyourmeme.com instead so I can be <laughs> like, you know, this is the one year where that frog guy on the unicycle got oh, oh, the, the, that, that boy. boy. <laughs> yeah. That boy. Oh, shit, what up? Oh, shit, what up? Um, yeah. I don't know if maybe that... I think the year no two years later was you know you had to do it to him guy so you know what I'll I'll do memes for the later years um because that's important Whitney that's Houston, very important Whitney Houston also died this year super sad um <laughs> it actually was very devastating but okay so this is where we talk about the TV and how TV was really shitty at the time as well because the top five shows across the board for all networks were NCIS as number one, Sunday mm-hmm. Night Football for number two, The Big Bang Theory for number three, <laughs> no offense, Rati, I love you, NCIS Los Angeles was number four, and Person of Interest was number five. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so you have these these top, it's all procedurals and Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and just... person of interest, which had that guy from Lost, which I Michael think he's Emerson, great. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Great actor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... but overall, very shitty. No great original stories. No sitcoms. That you know, that one year where we had Friends and Will and Grace on the top mm-hmm. five. That that was a good time for TV. Yeah, and yet still a very good year for me personally. So yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> okay. Lastly, were the top songs, which. A lot of bangers. We got We Found Love by Rihanna mm-hmm. featuring Calvin Harris, Royals by Lord, mm-hmm. Sexy and I Know It by LMFAO. Whatever happened to those guys? I think they broke up. Oh. And it's a shame because they're like an uncle and nephew duo, I think. <laughs> but they had like a falling out. Oh, bad blood in families. That's yeah. that's not LMFAO. <laughs> uh, we Are Young by Fun featuring Janelle Monet, the great, and... Yeah. Something that I hadn't thought about in a while. Somebody that I used to know by Gautier featuring Kimbra. I need to listen to that on repeat like I normally do. Ultimate irony is now that that song is faded, Gautier has literally become somebody that we used to know. Oh, but Kimbra is very great. If you haven't listened to Kimbra's solo stuff, I highly recommend. So this this was a time when Nadia and I were both doing shows in black box theaters where the plumbing didn't work <laughs> at 11 p.m on wednesday nights mm-hmm. uh where you know we were like drinking keystone lights uh in between uh improv sets where we'd go up with our friends and be like doctor i have this weird thing on my forehead it's a dick like type type of shit <laughs> oh, uh, God. And, uh, and is this the second time in a row we've mentioned long form improv on our podcast in a row yes but <laughs> it's i think the 18th time overall <laughs> yeah <laughs> the uh and and uh you know this 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 was when i moved to hollywood and and lived in uh my shitty apartment where there was water leaking from the roof all the time which was weird because i lived on the first floor of a four-story building <laughs> and so uh so i did learn though how comedy works uh mm-hmm. and that is uh as as nadia i'm sure saw in the outline for this episode i have a, a separate bullet point written in titled how comedy works as explained by a white man in his 30s and that's and me. and you know commentary by 
a Mexican lady also. So go on. So Seth MacFarlane made a ton of money <laughs> the way with you this. Said that. I'm sorry, the way you said his name was just so I don't know, it was so weighted with just disdain. <laughs> <Hatred>. Yeah. <laughs> so for okay, so the first thing, and maybe you already knew this, Nadia, this is a fun fact about mm-hmm. Seth MacFarlane and Mark Wahlberg is they were both scheduled on the American Airlines flight that crashed into the World Trade Center. What? But they yeah, but they ended up Seth MacFarlane literally overslapped and missed wow. it. And Mark Wahlberg, um, I think, like ended up rescheduling or something. Now he Wahlberg was too busy beating up an Asian man. Yeah, a blind Asian man. Yeah. Wahlberg, Wahlberg is on record saying if he was on the plane, he could have stopped 9-11. Every time I hear one more piece of information about Mark Wahlberg, I just don't, Yeah. I don't want, I want to punch him. One of the dumbest men in Hollywood, like, has has done interviews where he's like, you know, you know what, if I was on that plane, I think things would have been different. Oh my god. Um, Okay. So, that's just a fun fact. But, like, so Seth MacFarlane, you have to understand, like, I would watch Family Guy, like, five nights a week in my dorm room on Adult Swim, <laughs> uh, and, like, and I, I would watch The Simpsons a ton growing up, too. I have entire Simpsons episodes memorized. Mm-hmm. I remember nothing of Family Guy. <laughs> uh, and why is that? Why why does McFarlane's comedy not endure <laughs> and other comedy does? Oh, and, I'm excited. And when when you when you do comedy, your your ultimate and just like I, I'm gonna be such a pedantic like bore here, but what you're doing when you write comedy is you're controlling the amount of information your audience gets and when they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Nadia and I have both done improv, and in improv, there's no sets, there's no costumes. You don't know who anyone is until they actually like say it out loud or someone on stage says it out loud. So you very directly control that. Also, mm-hmm. it works when you do stand up. And the audience laughs when you fill in a big gap for them or when you give them enough information that they can fill in a bunch of gaps themselves. That's right. what physiologically causes them to laugh. Seth MacFarlane's thing is to just throw information at you that has nothing to do with what you're actually watching in terms of a story. And so there's like a shock value laugh you get Mm -hmm. from that like oh sam jones from flash gordon has a cameo in this that's funny um but then when he does that he hits it like 20 more times in five minutes and the point there is to exhaust you and maybe there's some laughs there but it's just not the kind of thing that sticks with you (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah well Uh, with comedy there's an also the element of surprise so if the information that you're sharing is a new the audience loves it but if it's surprising and and it comes out of left field or it's a different point of view or it's just a really weird way to explain it people love that and this this is just like a dude riffing and then pressing save 
Yeah. Like, like yeah. that, that's literally it. And, and if you haven't seen this movie, um, th- this is essentially a one hour, 40 minute episode of Family Guy. Like, mm-hmm. um, the, the style of humor is completely indistinguishable. There's cutaway gags. Um, there's surprise cameos by people like Sam Jones and Tom Skerritt. There's, I mean, even the cast, half of the cast is the same. Like Mila mm-hmm. Kunis is in this. Patrick Warburton is in this. Um, like, like it's just, there's. The mom is Lois. Yes, that's right. Yes, the mom is, is Lois's voice. Um, and then Seth MacFarlane is the voice of Ted, and he's basically doing Peter Griffin's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so He also says in the movie. And he, and he jokes about that, yes. Yeah, he's like, this is, I'm not, I don't sound like him at all. Well, it's more mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. Johnny, I do not sound that much like Peter Griffin uh, <laughs> type of thing. There's going to be a lot of that in this episode, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Let's... I can't even attempt to do it because I have friends who live in Boston and I don't want to offend them. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the movie and let's talk about the opening narration by Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, I forgot that that was him. <laughs> yeah, he's also in this, folks. Oh, um, you know, so it's been said that magic has gone out of the world. Uh, but basically we, we get introduced to, to Johnny Bennett. Uh, who's a, a little kid in Boston, and he has a hard time making friends. So when he gets a teddy bear for Christmas, he wishes that the teddy bear can come to life. Um, and it's sad. It, they yeah. set it up to to be good. I thought it was going to be good because I thought that this this is a really great why. This is a really great uh, inciting incident. This kid wants to be friends with these horrible little shitheads that live on his street who beat up the Jewish kids. Beat up the Jewish kids on Christmas, yeah. Yeah, which mm, you would think Mark Wahlberg would have been like, guys, I can't have this joke. Oh, God, I didn't even think of that. (laughs) In the script. And they're like, too bad. So... So they set you up to to really care about this little boy. He's so lonely, and he gets this little teddy bear, and it's great. And they also kind of break that trope of, like, oh, this magical thing happened, and I have to keep it a secret. Yeah. Be- he- because it becomes a thing that everybody knows. His family knows, and then eventually Ted gets famous. Yeah. Now, I do like that when he tells his family his teddy bear came to life and they're like, oh, well, that's very sweet, Johnny. And then Ted walks in. I love that they, like, scream. <laughs> they're like, get my gun. <laughs> she grabs the little, uh, what are those things called? Mixer. She yes. grabs a mixer like she's going to mix his ass. It was so great. <laughs> that was funny. Um, but, yes, Ted becomes famous. He, like, uh, he's, you know, subject of the, of the 6 o'clock news. He goes on Carson. Yeah, they used the Drew Barrymore interview. Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, she, she said his line uh, where Carson says, I thought you'd be taller, and she says, I thought you'd be funnier. So it's a universe where Drew Barrymore doesn't exist. Yeah! <laughs> but Ted does. That's fucked up. I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> um, And so you have kind of, you know, these quick cuts of Ted being, uh, you know, this fam- and he's a child. He's a child mm-hmm. bear. And then eventually Patrick Stewart's like, but just like with everyone else who becomes famous, after a couple of years, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Title card, credits, Academy Award nominated song. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Uh, just for logic's sake, if, if someone gets famous at that magnitude, doesn't that come with a lot of wealth? You, like, that's a really good question, and so it's a little confusing because it's like, does Ted use money, like, how does he participate in the economy? <laughs> um, I don't think 
he eats? Does he eat? I don't think um, he eats. I didn't see him eat. He and, did cocaine. Uh, he, he obviously fucks and does cocaine and smokes weed, but... Uh, and he drinks. I guess he drinks, uh, which means I guess he can piss, which means oh. he has... Uh, he probably has a digestive system of some kind. But he just has fuzz in there. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so already this film's <laughs> falling apart. Um, <laughs> but he obviously has to pay rent. Like, he needs a place to live. But... Um, and he's obviously, like, mortal, right? Because, mm-hmm. not to spoil it, but at one point he's going to die in the film. He comes back. Sorry. Um, Inexplicably, a movie about a teddy bear best friend almost dies <laughs> at w- one point, running away from a kidnapper. <laughs> so, whatever. The credits end. <laughs> we get to... That's the tagline for the episode. We whatever. get to uh, John's apartment adult johnny bennett played by mark Wahlberg, sitting on the couch with ted who's taking a huge bong rip and going all i'm saying is that boston women on the whole are a paler <laughs> uglier sort of women than from the elsewhere's a life um and that's i can i have just something funny. to say about this scene is <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person based on the color of their bong water <laughs> <laughs> come to my house mine is clear there's ice in there to make it smooth but this guy's got like coca-cola in there it's disgusting <laughs> well i don't think they're they're they ever assert that ted is like a real clean cut guy who has it together <laughs> you mean a clean cut bear <laughs> he's he's a stoner piece of shit yeah and, yeah <laughs> uh and basically john's like oh shit i'm late for work and i can't drive i'm high and ted's like i'll drive and just like scrapes into a car in the parking lot mm-hmm. um on his uh on his way in johnny works at like an enterprise rent a car um matt, matt Wal- walsh matt walsh is his boss <laughs> um and like matt walsh so he gets called into a meeting with matt walsh matt walsh is a really fucking funny guy oh, he's but so good. Uh, but um the material he has here he i think makes like 50 percent of it work Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is unsalvageable. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when when he's talking to Johnny, he's like, "Look, Johnny, you work a little harder. My life could be your life. A cushy thirty eight thousand dollar a year branch manager." Like I thought that was kind of a funny line. One of the recurring jokes is that he's bragging about being friends with Tom Skerritt, and he just keeps bringing that up. He's like, "Yeah, Tom Skerritt, he's coming to my house for barbecues. Tom Skerritt, we're friends." And then at the, it, like, there's one funny part where Mark Wahlberg makes a Top Gun reference and it just completely goes over Walsh's head and Wahlberg's like, like, Top Gun, like Tom Skerritt. And Walsh's like, oh, yeah, he's really just a guy to me. I don't think of him as an actor. Like, that made me laugh, but it's just going to be so many fucking Seth MacFarlane-y bits of just hitting the same thing over and over in the shortest period of time possible. I didn't even know who Tom Skerritt was. He's from like, Top Gun. Well, I know that, and he's also he's also a dad in a he's, movie. He's the dad in the other sister. Oh, <laughs> it all comes full circle. Oh my god! So this okay. was actually a chance for him to reunite with Giovanni Ribisi. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, it's it's not it's not great. It's already it's not great because Mark Wahlberg is already showing us that he's a piece of shit and there's also a joke where (laughs) he goes up to the front cash register where those guys are that he works with and 
is just being an asshole. Like, he doesn't want to be there. He's talking shit. And then he tells somebody that he's just being gay because he had someone beat him up. Yes. Yeah. Patrick Warburton. Yeah. Um, who's also in Family Guy and mm-hmm. he's in, like, a million other things, too. But, like, he, Kronk he like... in the Emperor's New Groove. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, You're that's welcome. the thing most people know him from. Um, yeah. He keeps, uh, like, blacking out when he goes out to drink and waking up um with a guy in his bed and like a black eye and mark Wahlberg's like you think he's part of some uh, like gay beat up club <laughs> yeah then they hit that joke like four or five times yeah yeah uh, we're we're off to a great start for a almost two hour movie <laughs> well here are some other really uh really funny lines uh that ted and and uh, johnny have uh early early on which is oh you bought turkey burgers are we having uh homosexuals over for dinner tonight and then uh, when when John Johnny's going to take his girlfriend, his live-in girlfriend, Lori, out on a date for their four-year anniversary, he's like, Ted, you don't think she's expecting something special, do you? And Ted's like, what, you mean like anal? So yeah. uh, that's that's where we're going to be for like the next hour 40. Mm-hmm. It's great. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> so what did you think of Mila Kunis's performance in terms of was she realistic as a woman who had to live with a man and his bear? No, I think <laughs> I think I think she did really, really well for what she was given. But what she was given is something completely unrealistic. No woman would put up with that. Right. Especially, she, quite frankly, yeah. a woman who looks like Mila Kunis probably yeah. probably will not put up with a man with a living teddy bear. They they brought that up though because uh, Lori is her character's name. She goes to work, and her friends just don't understand why she does put up with that. And she's like, "He's the hottest guy in Boston." That was her the justification. Which, why which she... is a very dubious honor. Number one. I mean, is Chris <laughs> Evans there right now? <laughs> Because, I don't know. And two might not even be true, right? Exactly. Right, uh, yeah. So that was the, I think they they were like, we should probably put some sort of justification of why she would stay in this relationship. And that was what they came up with. <laughs> this No, that, that checks out. Put it in. And she's also being, and this is also gross, but she's also being hit on by her boss. Yeah, Joel McHale. Being played by Joel McHale, who, again, I think is a really funny actor. And is just doing the best he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> what he has. I think everybody, when you're an actor and you get a script, you and it's bad, you try to elevate it as much as you can. But I think that they probably thought this is supposed to be good because Seth MacFarlane is one of the most successful comedy writers of our time. Yeah. So <laughs> still I'm a weird say, sentence to say. And here. yeah, and they're like, so I'll I'll try it. Yeah, I'll try it. And then, and then when it came down to execution, I don't know if it was maybe a, a directing thing or just the overall writing. It did seem like they were allowed to riff a lot. Yes. Um, Seth MacFarlane at one point, I believe, had three shows on Fox's Sunday night uh, lineup right. simultaneously. <laughs> American Dad, Family Guy. Uh, the Cleveland Show. <laughs> oh, my God. The spinoff of Family Guy. Lovely. Um, we get the Thunder Buddies song at one point, which is kind of cute. Um, 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's like the beginning. the The first line is like "Thunder Buddies Forever," and then the second line is like "Suck our dick." Fuck you, Thunder. Suck our dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh God. And uh, we get to John and Lori's date. So this is kind of where the plot actually starts, where we start moving beyond there's a talking bear and into the movie's going to be about something, which is mainly Ted being a third wheel. This is like 20 minutes in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, some weird things that happen. One, I do like that John's character keeps saying vaguely racist things um, because it reminds me that Mark Wahlberg is a very racist person. Oh, yeah. He's like, this is the closest to me I've ever played. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I think when he when he did the movie where he was like the investigator for the Boston Marathon bombing, um, that was probably also very close to him. Oh, really? He carries around a gun and looks really worried all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and the other weird thing from this scene is there's there's two cutaway gags, and it's it's John and Lori's perception of their meet cute at the <laughs> dance club. Lori's is portrays the accurate one, but the one in Wahlberg's mind is literally this, and again, a very Seth MacFarlane thing. It's literally the scene from Airplane where they have the meet cute in the club, but the scene from Airplane, like the comedy film from the 70s, is itself a parody of an actual movie scene in Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, so, so we're it's just, a parody of a parody. It's, which is just a complete waste of time at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I don't even, I don't even know. <laughs> But but again, so like lazy. if we're talking about comedy where you're controlling and uh, where you're controlling the information your audience receives and how quickly they receive it, this is just oh, it's airplane, but it's also Saturday Night Fever, and now it's Mark Wahlberg doing it. Isn't that funny? That's a lot of stuff. Like it's the too much. The whole thing is that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. By the way, we're 21 minutes into this movie now. <laughs> but anyways, John's got a little little box for Lori. Oh, what is it? What could it be? They've been together four years. What is it? Earrings. Yeah, it's earrings. Those are the ones you like, right? From that kiosk at the mall? Uh, He probably meant Claire's. (laughs) Um, So, uh, things aren't going well. Lori's let down. She just feels like he's clinging to Ted too much. She comes home to their apartment. Ted is on the couch with four, uh, four hookers, as he calls them. And uh, one of them has shit on the floor. Um, so there's a whole lot of Mila Kunis yelling, There's a shit on my floor! Yeah, I feel really bad for her character in these two scenes because she's basically just stating her feelings, which is, which are, <laughs> I feel like we're not really going anywhere. I'm noticing that you're not really doing anything, and the common denominator is your teddy bear yeah so maybe possibly just throwing this idea out there you could spend less time with him or maybe he can even move out because we are a couple his own place of some kind yeah Yeah, we're we're a couple we need our own place and your teddy bear doesn't need to live with us and mark Wahlberg is like can we not talk about this here can we not acknowledge that what you just said was really really weird and she's like fine and they're Dinner ends and she comes home, and th- he's proving she's he's proving her point, big time because there's a shit on the floor. Yeah, like, <laughs> and it's a bear, it's a bear, it's a teddy bear, it's a, a teddy magical bear teddy bear. Four, four prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and like, can again, we use the term sex workers? Yeah, please? four sex workers. 
but but also it's i wouldn't say it's like a fairly like even-handed depiction of sex workers no no (laughs) just the it's it's very interesting like they're all wearing forever 21 yeah (laughs) which wouldn't happen it's 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 a lot and and obviously she's upset and for some reason instead of going into the story we get a whole bit about them picking up the ship there is a a cutaway gag for like again again all these cutaway gags uh take too long and it's just like you know i mean if you've seen family guys like oh lois this is crazier than the time i went bowling with that tiger like it's just (laughs) that was a terrible peter griffin uh that's okay it was just uh, it's just like, oh, God, remember when we cleaned that shit off the floor? And it just cuts to them, like, screaming for a, a full 90 seconds as they're, yeah. like, trying to pick up the shit. You can never cook with that hand again, type of thing. Yeah, I got some on my thumb. Yeah. That's not funny to me. Yeah. But whatever. Um, So in- instead of actually talking about it, doing some sort of progress to the plot of the movie... <laughs> we get the shit scene. Yeah. Which I'm sure, you know, I, I have to say, there has to be someone out there in the world whose favorite movie is Ted. Yeah, and probably person, more than one person. Yeah, and I never want to meet them. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's not for everybody, obviously. Not for me, that's for sure. At the shit part, I thought, can I get away with not watching the rest of this movie for the podcast? How many times have you said that about movies we've watched? I think this this one in particular, I feel the most strongly about. Okay. Yeah. Well, we do eventually push forward a little bit with the plot, which is Johnny pushes Ted. Look, got, Ted, you got to get a job. You got to get a job. So Ted goes to the grocery store. He gets hired as a bag boy. Mm-hmm. Um, by insulting the manager. By insulting the manager. So uh, you want to work here? What do you got? I'll tell you what I got. Your wife's pussy on my breath. That's just, you know, it's it's just real great. Um, it's everything that he wished he could have said in Family Guy, with but without censorship. Yeah, he can actually say the word pussy now. Um, <laughs> it's one as as I discussed. It's one of the four nations that Ted is going to save. <laughs> so, um, so he gets the job. He uh, meets a girl there uh, named Tammy Lynn. Um, he flirts with her by doing increasingly grotesque sexual miming. Uh, in the checkout lane uh you you rented the unrated version i assume oh i don't know okay well i rented the unrated version the one that was too outrageous for theaters and uh <laughs> and so he like he humps the cash register he, oh you like, talking about the lotion yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah he gives a blowjob to the cucumber or whatever and then he uh pretends he's in a gangbang and squirts lotion on his face from multiple angles like everyone's finishing on him um so that's uh i mean when sorry you see mom a, when you see a teddy bear do that it's funny because he's, he's a teddy bear he's a teddy bear he's a magical best friend there is one moment i wrote down that i thought was funny which is ted dancing uh oh <laughs> makes a woody cameo. harrelson yeah. smallest dick i've ever seen yeah. <laughs> he, he makes a cameo as himself ted is watching like this special features on the cheers dvd <laughs> and ted dancing like is like was there cocaine on the set uh let me think are there naked dicks in gay porn which is like not that funny but then oh i definitely did not get the unrated version because i did not hear that at all oh okay because then he gets asked a second question a minute later and he's like oh was kirstie alley hot uh let me think are there 
naked dicks and gay porn and when he says it the second time it lands for me because see i'm filling in the information that's the only turn of phrase ted danson knows and that's funny to me (laughs) okay that's fair oh we watched different movies interesting i can't wait to hear what else was different that's so weird and worse that's that's what got cut for the R rating. <laughs> I would think I for sure the lotion would have gotten cut. No, I loved the little Dick Woody Harrelson joke. Mm-hmm. That was great. Mm-hmm. That was a great one. Yeah. But uh, so uh, Ted and and John are sitting on the couch just chilling, and uh, he's like, what, "What's new with you, buddy?" And because uh, Ted, Ted, Ted's got his own place at this point, right? He's got his own place yeah. at this point. They, they he had to move him out. It was kind of a shitty apartment, but he made it work. They had a moment where they were really bummed out about it. Uh, but, you know, they have to grow up. And so eventually they hang out again the next day and smoke pot together. And Ted tells him about his new lady friend. He's got a kind of a girlfriend. And John's like, you know what? We got to do a double date. Uh, he, we got to d- do it. But before and- that, <laughs> there's a whole bit about what is it? What did they call it? The white Trailer trash, trash name. White trash name. That's yeah. one. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw this film, I laughed really hard at this. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of regret that now. But That's yeah. okay. Yeah, he's like, oh, she's got we a white dress name, Johnny. Guess. And so Johnny guesses, and again, this scene goes on. He guesses maybe 60 names in a row, literally. Yeah, they're all fast, like, super, super fast. Super fast. And then Ted is like, nope, you're not going to get it. And then it, Mark Wahlberg is like, wait, <laughs> does one of the names that I just said have a Lynn after it. And Ted's like, yes. So he does them all again. Her name is Tammy Lynn. Yeah. So that's uh, the end of the bit. The double date uh, doesn't go great. No, not There's at all. There's a uh, miscarriage joke, which I would argue is very hard to make miscarriage funny, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the only movie that's ever done it well, I think, was Tag. <laughs> Um, oh, I haven't seen that yet. Okay. There's there's one very funny, uh, well, I'm not going to spoil tag for you. Really, it's all in the surprise. Um, okay. This movie doesn't do it well. Um, <laughs> and it's just utterly disastrous. Yeah. Mila Kunis tries to have a conversation with Tammy Lynn, and Tammy Lynn just gets more and more defensive and, for whatever reason, and the, they eventually have to leave. Yeah, she's basically, like, going into real housewives mode at this point. Tammy yeah, Lynn why don't is. you have a piece of bread and then maybe you'll calm down kind of moment. Yeah. So, unfortunately, though, uh, John didn't stand up for Lori, no. a.k.a. Mila he, Kunis. He was trying to smooth everything over. Yeah, he just he's in between his teddy bear and his girlfriend. <laughs> So he, you know, he you know, the more you say it, the more I realize this probably wasn't a very good movie. (laughs) (laughs) So he he, he's trying to be fair, but in reality, he doesn't have his girlfriend's back. And guys, men out there and even women, my non-binary people, if you don't have your girl's back, you're shitty. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if it's up against your teddy bear. Your teddy bear. Like, yeah. And, yeah. and if your girlfriend has already brought up multiple times that the teddy bear is being a serious third wheel in your relationship. Absolutely. And so she she's basically almost at her wit's end, but not yet. Yeah. Um, they head out of the restaurant and they, uh, I believe, run into noted Italian ex-actor Giovanni Ribisi. <laughs> because earlier in the film, 
Giovanni Ribisi. Like at the very beginning of the film. Yeah, approached Ted and John and was like, Ted, I... You're very special to me. You were a big part of my childhood. He uh, saw you on Carson, was a huge yeah. fan. Would it be possible to buy you? And Ted's like, basically like, fuck off. Mm-hmm. And then you think you never see them again. But then Giovanni Ravisi shows up again after this dinner in the parking lot and is really fucking creepy. <laughs> creepy. With his creepy son, I believe. With Yeah. And uh, he he wants to give Ted a hug. But Ted says no for obvious reasons <laughs> yeah this this inexplicable subplot is for some reason necessary you're gonna love uh, when we get to the reviews of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh the the last ditch effort for john to get on mila kunis's good side is to go to her work party for her creepy ass boss joel McHale, and just be there to support her he needs to show her that he's serious, that he's ready to grow up, and he's ready to be a good partner. So they go to this ugly mansion thing, and Joel McHale just proceeds to be an absolute asshole. And he's probably my favorite part of this movie. He's he's a good comedic actor. So good. He's very good. <laughs> um, he's very good. And like when he's showing off all his stuff to John, he's like, Art, yeah. do you get it? No, probably not. You're dumb. <laughs> Like, that yeah. was very he funny. He freeze-dried uh, Lance Armstrong's ball and had it <laughs> had it gold-plated. And he just looks at it when he just doesn't know what's going on in his life. Um, <laughs> so good. It's good. And then Mark Wahlberg's laugh line is, as one gentleman to another, I hope you get Lou Gehrig's disease. You're going to love one of the reviews that I found <laughs> in Common Sense Media. <laughs> um, there is also one moment, and I just want to call it out because it's, again, very, very Seth MacFarlane-y, is like, so all of the... All of the um, women in the office have, like, slept with Joel McHale. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't seem like many of them have enjoyed that or or were happy about it, but they all did it because they thought it was the cost of getting along in the office. Um, And so they're having a conversation about it, and they're like, Oh, this is not in my version. Oh, okay. So, okay, okay, so they're they're chatting about it after um, Johnny and Lois... uh, or, and Lori, not Lois, Lois's family guy. After Johnny and Lori uh, leave, and they're like, it's weird to be back at this house, huh, after he banged us here. And one woman's like, wait, what are you talking about? And they're like, you didn't you didn't sleep with Joel McHale? She's like, no, I did, but like we did it in the bathroom at work. And they're like, oh, he didn't bring you back here? And so this one woman feels left out because she never got taken back to Joel McHale's house. And she's like, oh, well, it was, uh, it was the handicap stall, so it was like a little nicer than... And a regular stall, and it just just goes on and on. Oh my god! Again, that got cut for the R rating. <laughs> All right, well, great. <laughs> but something big happens during the party, Nadia. Oh my gosh! Ted calls. Ted calls John because you know what? Johnny, Flash, s- Johnny, Flash you're Gordon. not gonna believe this. <laughs> it's Flash Gordon. Sam He's Jones is here, party. Johnny. Sam Jones is here. Yes, the Sam Jones, who I've never really heard of. <laughs> is at this party and he's like you gotta come this is this is what our friendship was based on and john is like i can't i gotta i gotta be here for Lori." and and ted just really drives it home and is like look like we wouldn't be friends without sam jones you have to be here and so john is like all right peace out joel McHale. don't let my girl find out 
I'll be right back. <laughs> Which makes no sense to me. He doesn't trust the guy because he knows yeah. he hits on his wife. Yeah. And he's like, look, man to man, I'm going to trust you because you're a man. Yeah. So I'm going to go and meet Sam Jones and I'll be right back. Yeah. So then he drives to Ted's apartment in a parody of a sequence from Flash Gordon, which when this movie came out, I was 25. <laughs> like, I was absolutely the, certainly part of the target audience for this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the target audience was literally 17-year-olds, but I was certainly, like, 25-year-old white dude living in L.A., like, oh, yes, <laughs> this is the kind of guy who would love to see Ted. And I wouldn't, I, I've never seen Flash Gordon. Like, I, I yeah. would not recognize, like, he clearly shot for shot reconstructed a sequence from the film. And I, I don't recognize it. But again, it's just him be. this is what he thinks is funny. It's like, look, look, it's just like Flash Gordon. It's exactly like Flash Gordon. Get it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that. Yeah. Oh, I think it's meant for older people, maybe. Yeah. So who knows? He, he gets to the party. Sam Jones is there. The Flash Gordon. T- the one notable thing about Flash Gordon is that Queen did the soundtrack. <laughs> so, nice. Uh, so the the theme starts playing. He sees Sam Jones. He imagines him dressed as Flash Gordon, and then Sam Jones and Ted and Johnny hang out. And Sam Jones is like, "Oh, cool. Well, it's nice of you that uh, your fans. Hey, uh, you guys like to party?" He means do cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> so they go do blow in the bathroom, and we find that out because Ted slams <laughs> open the door, and his whole little snout is covered in white stuff. <laughs> do you get like do you get that like it's a teddy bear which is do like a child it? thing do you but get then it? there's cocaine which is like for grown-ups oh my god do you get it <laughs> yeah so now there's just this long it's long so, it's so it's long. so long a long sequence of what it was like to party with these guys so they're drawing garfield on some boobs uh that made they're... it in the film and the handicap stall didn't yeah fucking christ okay yeah (laughs) uh what else is there there's karaoke there's the peter griffin joke is in there Uh uh-huh um and uh and then there's a point where sam jones punches through the wall and his neighbor who is in typical seth MacFarlane fashion an extremely racist (laughs) caricature of a chinese man uh runs into the apartment because he's mad there's a hole in his wall and sam jones decides to lay him out because his the man's name is ming ming of course being the name of the villain in the flash gordon movie we're not at this point i tapped my screen to see how long (laughs) was left in this movie oh also there's a callback joke here patrick warburton finds out he's gay and he goes home with ryan reynolds so random ryan reynolds is there so random so random and later they call him a van wilder looking asshole which i thought was that was funny um but john realizes oh fuck i've been i've been, here too I've been long. gone for like hours <laughs> yeah so he runs out going to uh joel McHale's house but unfortunately Lori's already there because she knows that he's there she just wanted to make sure they find each other outside in the hallway and she's just like i knew it this is over i can't do this shit anymore like you gotta grow up and all John does is blame it on Ted. Yeah, and then they fight each other for like twenty minutes. Yeah, well, he had to move out of Mila Kunis's of their shared apartment. Yeah. So he he was living at a hotel, and Seth MacFarlane is comes to his hotel to tell him, "Look, Joel McHale's taking out 
Mila Kunis because you guys broke up. Yeah. It, it, every everybody's having a bad time about it, but Joel McHale is like jumping on it. He's, and he's taking he's taking her to a Nora Jones concert, which is I mean, that's, it's very important detail. Yeah. Yeah, so, and he's like, no, like, fuck you. I don't believe you. You're an asshole. He's like, I'm serious. I, why would I lie to you? You're my best friend. And then things just get really heated. And they start beating each other up. And we're, and there's no music playing during this scene. To where I I don't know if it's supposed to be because it's sad. That's where I'm going. I mean, I think this was supposed to be really serious. (laughs) Yeah. And. And yet, a childhood teddy bear kicking my ass. And yet, there's a point where Ted pulls down Mark Wahlberg's pants, and we see Mark Wahlberg's bare ass. And Ted snaps the antenna off the motel TV and just whips Wahlberg's ass with it. Yeah, and you know what? Nothing to write home about Marky Mark. <laughs> he's not hitting the spot. Well, he's he's older now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's so tiny now. Remember back in the days with the tidy whities in the '80s? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, he, yes. <laughs> he's got a uh, big ass um anyway it's bad and <laughs> and he's like look like i'm really sorry ted apologizes john realizes i gotta take responsibility for my shit so i gotta go stop joel McHale from shooting his shot with my girl mm-hmm. and ted's like i know a way because i fucked nora because i fucked nora jones yeah Okay, so here's something else. In in this Nora Jones scene, we find out that Ted not only knows Nora Jones, he fucked Nora Jones, which is a weird thing to say, uh, and also he doesn't have a penis. Yeah, he doesn't have genitals, yeah. So... And there is a point where when he's having sex with Tammy Lynn in the grocery store, he says, oh, put your finger in the loop in my tag. Right. Um, so I don't know if that functions as some sort of sex organ. Uh, yeah. I mean, him. we don't know what the ins and outs are of we, this whole thing. Do we want to? Probably no, not. I don't, I don't want to know about any kind of, you know, accessories Imagine or how sad the DeviantArt page is for Ted. Like, Ew! Like, at least with, like, the Disney princesses and stuff, that has, like, a tie to, like, nostalgia or something. Like, yeah. Okay, and let me, sorry, disclaimer here up front, I'm not going to DeviantArt for Disney princess shit. Um, <laughs> but, Ted, that would just be so sad. It would be, be really so sad. sad. I think, you know, I think for as much information as we get in this movie constantly, there's just <laughs> details that are missing that I need to know to really get how things work and i i don't know (laughs) anyways he does ted does refer to Nora jones as a half muslim chick and she says i'm actually a quarter indian i'm indian american and he's like okay whatever thanks for 9-11 uh and then uh you know he gets um johnny up on stage to sing uh his and laurie's song uh which is the theme to the james bond film octopussy uh, yeah, it's so romantic. And he, well, because it's like the movie that was playing when they met or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, he just completely fucks it up. He sucks at it. Everybody's booing. Ted's backstage. He's like, still better than Katy Perry, which is, oh man, imagine <laughs> that killing in the movie theater. Knee slapper. <laughs> um, I slapped my knee. We still got like thirty minutes to go in the movie. <laughs> god so long (laughs) and you know john and laurie i think kind of make amends but 
uh, now we get to the other conflict in the film that kind of resurfaces. Wait, did you think it was funny when Mila Kunis and Joel McHale are walking back to their car after the show and he tells her, you know, Mar- uh, Mark Wahlberg had no right to embarrass you like that. And Mila Kunis is like, that wasn't embarrassing. Basically insinuating that it was romantic. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you wouldn't understand. She walks away. And then Joel McHale lets out a huge fart. Let's have fart. a huge fart. He's like, finally. And, yeah. That, that part made me laugh. That was funny. Well, because there's a conversation earlier in the film where um, John and Ted are talking. And, and Ted's like, do you fart in front of her, John? And John's like, yeah, I love her. Like, so it's, it is a yeah. kind of half a callback. That did kind of, <laughs> that, that was kind of cute. Yeah, yeah. So that was its own thing. But something really fucking shitty happens. Guess what? We forgot about Giovanni Ribisi. I didn't so, forget about Giovanni Ribisi. <laughs> <laughs> so so Ted goes over to Mila Kunis' house. He's like, look, Mark Wahlberg's really broken up about this. I know that I played a really big part in this. I promise that I'm not going to get in between you guys anymore as long as you go talk to him. Because obviously he did this big gesture for you. So, you know let's make it work and she's like okay fine because of course she does for no reason and so she heads out to go be with john but unfortunately giovanni rubisi and his son are there and they kidnap him (laughs) thus beginning the inexplicable subplot about kidnapping act three baby Mm -hmm. stakes have never been higher love it um so they're both like a silence of the lambs type uh get up here uh, where Giovanni Ribisi spends all day dancing by himself to uh, I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany. Hey, and you know what? We all do that sometimes. It is, I mean, it's a very good song. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, the son is, uh, you know, demands that Ted play with him or else he'll rip Ted's ears off. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, because you're like, what is this movie missing? Torture. Uh, mm-hmm. so, of a teddy bear. Uh, so... You know, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this, but John and Lori track him down. Um, he he, uh, they chase. Uh, they get chased by Giovanni Ribisi. There's a pointless car chase scene that ends with the little kid running towards John to try and get Ted, and Wahlberg just decks the kid in the face. Yeah, he just completely destroys that child. <laughs> um. And then uh, kind of the final chase scene is at Fenway Park um, where Ted climbs up the foul pole and Giovanni Ribisi climbs after him and basically uh, in an attempt to grab him tears Ted in half. So sad. Is it almost though? as sad? Almost as sad as when I went to Fenway Park and had too many beers and then ended up eating like five hot dogs. <laughs> and I don't remember doing that, but I had the receipts in my pants pockets <laughs> it was a great moment of shame. I do like me. I do like when you're like I have the receipts, but they're just receipts for hot dogs instead of like <laughs> bad tweets I've done. Yeah, and it's my own shame. It's nothing to do with you. Um, <laughs> so we have kind of this, you know, Disney style. The main character dies, but not really. Mm-hmm. Sequence um, where he yeah died. they they yeah. they grab the two pieces of him and the fluff inside. Yeah. And they're like, grab everything because we need to put him back together. So they they take him home and so many weird angles as they stitch him together like a surgery scene. And they nothing happens. He doesn't wake up. So they cover him with a sheet and go to bed. And Or do they? Some, 
<laughs> or do they? Because Mila Kunis slides out of bed and sneaks over to the window, sees a shooting star, and makes a wish. What did she wish for? <laughs> so the next morning, they wake up, and Ted's alive. He pretends uh, that he has a severe intellectual disability for like 30 seconds to freak Johnny out. Then he's like, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, because you put my stuffing in the wrong way. <laughs> is what he said and uh and then they just end up living happily ever after uh yeah john and Lori get married finally yes tom scarrett's at the wedding with matt walsh and he says to matt walsh my daughter better be alive you son of a bitch yeah Uh, we we all love a good callback from the very beginning of the movie we barely remember because it's so long uh and then uh patrick stewart takes over the narration Uh, Mm um john and Lori get married um uh, Joel McHale dies of Lou Gehrig's disease. I don't know why I'm <laughs> laughing at that. I know. Um, it's just, it surprises you. That's what I mean about surprise. Uh, there's something that, something has to do with the Superman movie with Brandon Routh, and then Patrick oh. Stewart's like, oh man, remember what a piece of shit that movie was. Yeah. Uh, somebody goes to live in LA, and that's his roommate. Yeah. Oh, the guy from Flash Gordon. Yes, yes. Um, And then uh, one actually good joke, Uh, Giovanni Ribisi's son uh, decides to start working out and he grows up and becomes Taylor Lautner. Yeah, Uh, yeah. they fat shamed that kid till the end and then they had to be like, we need to not do that. This is a child. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Lovely. Yeah. That's the end. That's the end. So I would say generally, what would you say, Nadia? Tremendous waste of time? Yeah. Yeah. I'll never get that time back but again again it's incredible that this movie did so well in an environment in which it was not set up to do well yeah original stories do not get made at this point in history (laughs) um certainly not at the scale that you need to make it into the top 10 of the box office and you know what it's also really hard to make a lot of money if you're an r-rated movie yeah that's true and uh for its time i guess this was definitely an innovative idea and the execution was pretty great i thought the cgi cgi was, was great really good cgi was great yeah um, yeah ted was really expressive mm-hmm. probably more expressive than all of the lion king remake they made <laughs> <sighs> if we're uh, being for okay. real so better than the lion king where would you rank it relative to cats I didn't see Cats because I don't hate myself. Okay. I watched the first 40 minutes, and then I was like, well, that's about enough of that. <laughs> What'd you think? Uh, it's, like, it's legitimately incoherent. Like, it's not Amazing. even, it's not even like, a, oh, I'll hate watch it, and that'll be fun. It just legitimately does not make sense. Because <laughs> I, I, I have, I have hate watched a lot of films, and I've enjoyed, there are some films here that are bad, but I thought watching them was very funny. Yeah. Um, there are some films that were bad and so bad that watching them was actually not fun at all. Bringing Down the House being kind of the primary, <laughs> yeah. primary yeah, example. That, that was pretty sad. Uh, for Goths, my other project, which some listeners may be familiar with, I had to watch Unplanned, which was the anti-abortion uh, propaganda movie. Um, that one was legitimately so bad it was hilarious. Like, it, it was a very <laughs> enjoyable experience to hate watch. Um, this one is probably closer to that. Like, it, this was a competently directed uh, film, a competently acted film. And I just think yeah. the script is just indistinguishable from an episode of Family Guy. So mm-hmm. if you have outgrown Family Guy, for example, if you're 20 or older, um, this movie probably isn't worth your time. 
Yeah, I, there were plenty of favorable reviews on Common Sense Media. 168 were from children. Not all of them were, were positive, obviously, but a vast majority of kids thought it was great. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the demo. Well, before we get into Common Sense Media, I do want to share one professional review. Um, and oh, that yes. is uh, the New York Post, uh, newspaper founded in the 18th century by Alexander Hamilton. Uh, so he could talk shit about all the other founding fathers. So he could talk My shit favorite. about all the other founding fathers. Uh, three centuries later, uh, well, less than that, uh, two centuries later in change, um, you get this review by Kyle Smith titled, You Will Be Enchanted. E.T. <laughs> e. Phone Family Guy. Maybe the magical little alien wouldn't have been so adorable if he had hung around for 28 years trading raunchy remarks with Elliot while watching too much TV and smoking weed. But he would have been funny. Yet, the surprise of Ted is that it goes for honest Spielbergian wonder, too, and even earns some tears. What? <laughs> when? Though you'll be able to say that you were merely crying with laughter at the filthy jokes. Mm. I expected Ted to be a one-joke movie but it's got ideas spilling out of its seams it's a smoothly designed rom-com in addition to being a parody of the same and for a while what? it's even bizarrely effective as a thriller the banter between <laughs> <laughs> no okay the banter between man and bear is nearly as sharp as the script of super bad it is not. <laughs> uh, very, very, very disrespectful to Seth Rogen and, and Mr. Evan Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Ted, I watched Super Bad maybe a year ago, uh, and it still holds up a hundred percent. By it's the way, wonderful. It's great. <laughs> Ted would work fine even if the stuffed animal were a human roommate. As it is. Mm, no. <laughs> As it is. The bear is such a believable character, thanks in part to brilliant CGI, and credit McFarlane with de deploying film familiar technology in such an innovative spirit, that the scene where Ted beats up John isn't really funny. Instead, it's a little heartbreaking. You hate <laughs> to see such good friends hurting each other. The movie runs short of imagination in the last ten minutes, but until then, it's nearly perfect. Okay, and then I what? was reading you the entire review to get to this uh, closer. I don't know what McFarlane can do to top this movie. Maybe Ted joins a frat with Paddington, Fozzie, and Winnie the Pooh? Winnie's honeypot will run dry as usual, but this time Ted could introduce him to his bong. What? <laughs> Fuck Kyle Smith. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Wow, that was incomprehensible. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you would love that. Oh, God. Well, let me let you know what the Common Sense Media yeah. viewers say. The, it's pretty much the opposite. <laughs> so many people were just enraged about the language. Teddy people Bear list, using swears. Yeah, people were listing out the language that was used, and it was the list was really, really long. Um, there was a... There was a review that mentioned a woman went to go with her children because she thought it was a kids movie. Okay, that's on her. Enough... That is yeah, on her. Yeah, that made me laugh. I was like, oh, God. Uh, these were my faves. An adult, this is a parent review that says, it's good, <laughs> with like 14 O's. It has good dialogue, great CGI for 2012, and I can see they put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
probably probably the first thing I look for in any movie is like, well, did they try? <laughs> did they try their darndest? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so earnest. That made me laugh. That made me laugh harder than the movie did. Okay. Second adult parent review. Quote, possibly the worst movie I have ever seen. In the opening scene, we are told that at Christmas in Boston, it's time for kids to beat up the Jewish kids. <laughs> totally unacceptable. Does it have a lesson? Yes, it does. But there are way better movies to watch to learn that you need to resist the urge to be influenced by people making bad choices. I wouldn't recommend this movie for any age, not even adults. Thumbs down. End okay. quote. That was pretty good. Uh... This is the one that made me laugh, but I'm, I really, I don't want us to become what we make fun of. Okay. Loved the movie, but since I was watching it with my husband, who has Lou Gehrig's disease. <laughs> we could have enjoyed it more without two jokes about the horrible disease, dot, dot, dot. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Again, laughing harder than the movie made me laugh. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. It's, it's actually really terrible. It's actually really terrible. I feel really bad for myself so i can read the kid reviews okay there were 163 kid reviews this one was just the most disturbing that's why i picked it this 14 year old reviewer says the movie's pretty good for kids eight and up my 10 year old brother no 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 no, no. okay my 10 year old brother liked it but he says he was disappointed by the lack of nudity in the movie other than that he loved it i enjoyed it all that Oh, okay, so that's like... Who is this disgusting child? That's the fucking kid who kidnaps Ted is who that is. <laughs> yeah, but nothing tops the Lou Gehrig's one. No. <laughs> nothing we ever do is going to top that. I'm sorry. I feel so bad. <laughs> I feel so bad. <sighs> okay. Well, Tony, what did you learn from Ted? What did I learn? I mean, like, so I guess to some, like, so the lesson, to the extent that there can be said that there's a lesson in Ted, it's like, you need to grow up at some point. Or as, as we might have said in the year this movie was made, we need to grow the fuck up. Oh, that was our old podcast. That was our old podcast. I'm pretty sure you can't find it anywhere. Uh, no, so, I took it down. <laughs> so, uh, so in a sense, watching the movie the year it came out and thinking it was pretty funny and watching it now and thinking it is generally a waste of time i feel mm-hmm. like i have properly internalized the lessons of ted and have proven <laughs> myself to the movie so yeah i would give for you the movie probably like a c minus i would give myself an a plus what i would about- give you an a plus too oh thank you right back at you pal what what would you Thanks. say you took away I took away that 
female actresses like Mila Kunis deserve better when it comes to comedy, but I don't think anyone but Paul Feig can deliver. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and uh, there was a sequel to this, of course, Ted 2, which I didn't see. Mm. And I and they brought back Mark Wahlberg, but I don't think Mila Kunis was in the cast. I, I oh think, no, did they get divorced? I think so. I'm not 100% okay. Now sure. I have to look this up. Now hold on. Um, but Amanda Seyfried, I believe, is the uh, female lead. Ted um, two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, here it is. Okay. Life has changed drastically for Thunder Buddies. John Mark Wahlberg, now a bachelor, yeah. and best pal Ted Seth MacFarlane, now married to the woman jessica barth of his dreams problems arise when the couple decide to adopt a child but the law declares ted to be property and not a person Mm -hmm. angry and dejected the lovably foul-mouthed teddy bear must now seek legal help from a young lawyer amanda seyfried and a legendary civil rights attorney morgan freeman to get the justice he deserves don't love that morgan freeman's in that <laughs> it got a 45 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah liam neeson has a cameo looks like uh yeah. giovanni ribisi yeah giovanni ribisi's back in it jessica they basically got everyone except mila kunis so she drew well a good line. for her good she for was her. like well, i can't do this again yeah. <laughs> good 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 for you mila um <laughs> Okay, well, I, I think good for Mila Kunis is a, a perfectly fine note on which to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, folks, thank you for listening, as always. Uh, so our social media is probably should have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, leave us a review if you can. Subscribe to the podcast if you can. Uh, next week's episode going to be a Christmas episode. Very exciting. Uh, so we will see you next week. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> oh, bye. <laughs> My words are lazy, my thoughts are hazy, but there is one thing that I know, everybody needs a best friend, I'm happy I'm yours, you've got a double that brings you trouble, and though you're better without me, everybody needs a best friend, I'm happy I'm yours, a fool could see decidedly that you're a ten and i'm a three a royal breed is what you need so how did you come to be stuck with a bummer like me you got a head full of someone dreadful but how that someone adores you everybody needs a best friend i'm happy i'm yours